Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and by Ocean State Bird Club, delighted to sponsor Ray Brown's Talking Birds. This October, if you hear ravens in your neighborhood croaking nevermore, it's time to get out of the house. And the best place to go is on one of Ocean State Bird Club's terrific free walks. Find us on Facebook and online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 749. Well, bird conservation groups around the world now generally agree that the number one threat to birds is now climate change. And we'll be focusing some on that topic, along with other environmental challenges and birds, of course, on today's show. Now, please join us as we take a little journey to several parts of the country and out to sea. Starting with some good news from Michigan about a small songbird that nearly went extinct. The Kirtland's Warbler. In 1971, the Kirtland's warbler population had fallen to just a few hundred birds in six counties in the northern part of Michigan's Lower Peninsula. But by 2015, thanks in large part to changes enabled by the Endangered Species Act of 1973, the population had climbed up beyond 3,000. And now as a result, the Fish and Wildlife Service has removed the Kirtland's from the endangered species list. Officials do caution, though, that the bird remains a conservation-reliant species that will still require hands-on management. And as if the bird needed new challenges, it now faces the fact that the Trump administration has just changed the way that the Endangered Species Act is applied, significantly weakening the law and making it harder to protect wildlife from the multiple threats posed by climate change. Well, now for Michigan, we head east to Cape Cod to check out how birds and people are doing there on the east coast, in Massachusetts, as sea levels continue to rise and climate change's effects become more and more evident. Reporters from the Boston Globe spent much of the summer on Cape Cod to see how the effects of climate change are being felt they say that they found that climate change is already threatening the Cape in tangible ways. And they found these seven specific effects. The outer Cape, that's the part that sticks up like a northward reaching forearm in the arm of the Cape, is now losing an average of about three feet of beach per year. That's nearly double what it has been for thousands of years. Two, melting ice is dumping fresh water into the North Atlantic Ocean significantly changing the currents that have been the basis for the Northeast's iconic cold water species. Three, wild shellfish populations are now at 1% of historic levels along the Cape, and commercial farms are finding it difficult to deal with dramatic temperature swings. Four, the population of migratory land birds near the Cape has fallen to half of what it was 50 years ago. Five, salt marshes which filter pollutants and provide shelter for many fish species in their early stages of life are being eaten away by sea level rise. Six, 
Storms like nor'easters are causing chaos on Cape Cod thanks to sea level rise. And it's suggested that hurricanes that have hit the Cape in the distant past would today prove catastrophic. And seven homeowners on the Cape are being faced with rising flood insurance rates and the possibility of having to relocate and elevate their houses. That's on Cape Cod. Okay, back to the good news as we swing a little bit west again to St. Louis, home of Anheuser-Busch, makers of beer and other thirst-quenching products. The story's not about the beer, though. It's about the trucks that bring the beer. Anheuser-Busch says it will purchase 21 fully electric Class 8 trucks. Those are the big ones, the big semis from the California-based electric vehicle company BYD. The new vehicles constitute the biggest Class 8 fully electric truck deployment in North America. And it's estimated that upgrading the 21 trucks from traditional diesel to fully electric will eliminate 910 metric tons of CO2 per year. That's pretty good. And now we go out over the ocean to Norway, where the Norwegian shipbuilding company Hurtigruden has launched the world's first hybrid cruise ship loaded with lithium-ion batteries to drive electric motors, supplementing the internal combustion engines. Engines, by the way, that are fueled mostly by marine biogas made from organic ocean waste. Hurtigruten says the ship can cruise for half-hour periods on electric power alone, and they hope the hybrid system will cut its carbon emissions by 20%. Hertegruten is now working on a second ship, which will produce an even higher percentage of electric power for its hybrid system. And speaking of electric propulsion and Norway, as of the first six months of this year, the number one selling automobile in Norway is pure electric, specifically the Tesla Model 3, which is now outselling gasoline-powered vehicles like the Toyota RAV4, for example, by nearly three to one. Norway is the leading market in the world for electric cars, at least at this point. And in 2018, EV sales there grew by 40%, and one out of three vehicles sold in the market was a zero-emission vehicle. Electric car sales in Norway are growing even more this year, Full disclosure, your humble host's car is one of those electric bestsellers. Attention Talking Birds listeners in or near the great state of Maryland, especially if you're listening to our show live or soon after the live October 13th date. On Tuesday, October 15th, the Friends of Patuxent annual meeting will take place featuring park naturalist Greg Kearns as guest speaker. He'll tell the fascinating story of his years of research and fieldwork studying birds and other wildlife on the Patuxent River and Chesapeake Bay. Check out our Talking Birds Facebook page for full details. Meanwhile, we have some uh, things to talk about about our, our, our website. We've been kind of bragging about our website a little bit, and uh, we hope you'll visit that site because we have some great stuff to check out there, including information on how you can find bird clubs and Audubon groups all around the country. Also, birding festivals all over the country on our new website, still at the same old talkingbirds.com address. You'll also find listener stories, 
short bird-themed pieces sent in by listeners, along with a link by which you can send us your listener story. We love to get them. Plus, our Debbie Bleacher and her Debbie's blog. Also, always some interesting stuff there. Plus, information on different ways you can listen to our show. Step-by-step instructions on how to listen or download to a download a podcast. Even a quick sign-up to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Speaking of which, last week we gave a special salute to Chris Powell upon his becoming our 400th Talking Birds ambassador. This week, we're giving Chris an apology for saying that he's from Bristol, Rhode Island, when in fact, he's from Jamestown, Rhode Island. And we knew that, but we said it wrong anyway. That's kind of what we do around here sometimes. So sorry, Chris, and thanks again. And thanks to Carl Troval and Carol Troval from Pflugerville, Texas, just north of Austin, for becoming Talking Birds ambassadors. Thank you, Carl and Carol. Carl says, we're so excited because my wife and I just passed the 909 species mark on our life list. Thank you, Carl and Carol, and congratulations on that. And thank you to Kayla Krenitsky from Newark, Delaware who's become a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you, Kayla, and we're glad you like our new website. And thanks to Lance Tanino from Kamuela, Hawaii. Lance says, I lived in Keene, New Hampshire for five years while attending Antioch University, New England. I assisted Southern Vermont fish and wildlife fisheries biologists stocking salmon in the tributaries and monitoring the fish ladder at Vernon Dam. He says, let me know if you want Hawaii bird watching." Facebook news. Yeah, we certainly do. And and when we go to Hawaii, we're going to look up Lance. He has a, a bird guide uh, program going over there. His website is here. HawaiiBirdingGuide.com. Thank you so much, Lance. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll consider joining Lance and Kayla and Carl and Carol in our ambassador's family. Very easy to do. Just go to our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the Get Involved button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike live segment on the topic of photographing birds in your backyard. Mike claims to have some good tips about that. Meanwhile, a couple of weeks ago, we featured the only shorebird that nests in trees. That was the solitary sandpiper. Today, we meet the only member of the Alcid family, which counts puffins among its members, that also nests in trees for our featured Feathered Friends segment. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Back in 2018, our friend and Talking Birds ambassador from Calgary, Alberta, Trevor Fletcher, let us know about the fact that the U.S. state of Oregon had uplisted the status of a seabird known as the marbled merlet, from threatened to endangered. Obviously, that wasn't good news, but it meant a recovery plan was to be put in place to protect the bird, which is endangered primarily by the logging that has destroyed or fragmented much of its nesting habitat, found up to 30 miles inland in old and mature growth forests. Fast forward to 2019, and the marble merlet continues to be federally listed as threatened due to the loss of that coastal forest habitat. 
And now, after two decades of studying the bird, another northwestern state, Washington, has released a new management plan for the species. We'll get to that plan in a moment, but first, a description of the bird. The marbled merlet is a small, chubby seabird with a short bill and tail and short wings. Males and females are brown overall in breeding plumage, while winter adults have brownish-gray upper parts with white underparts, a white collar, and white shoulder stripes. The marbled merlet feeds on fish, which it captures by diving underwater, using those stubby wings for propulsion. And it's the only alcid, the group that includes auks and murres and puffins, that nests in trees as high up as 250 feet. And here's where that management plan comes in. The plan is designed to protect that tree habitat for the merlet, whose population in the state is down to just 6,000 individuals, while supporting the state's timber industry, which helps provide revenue to the state's public schools and rural counties. Under the plan, 59,000 acres of habitat where marbled merlets have been documented and another 58,000 acres that the bird is likely to use would be protected, while 100,000 acres would be opened to timber harvest. Neither the timber interests nor conservation groups seem to be thrilled with the plan. Maybe that means it's a fair one. For the plan to take effect, it must still be approved by the State Board of Natural Resources and the Fish and Wildlife Service. So we'll stay tuned and hope for the best for today's featured feathered friend, Brachyramphus marmoratus, the marbled merlet. Welcome again. Thanks for joining us here on our show number 749. Allow us to brag again just a little bit about our new website, TalkingBirds.com. People are telling us they really like it, so we figure we should uh, mention it too. TalkingBirds.com is the address, and uh, still, even with all these changes, no G in talking. And please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at TalkingBirds. Meanwhile, it's our mystery bird contest and some fabulous prizes to go along with with a mystery bird in just one minute there's a part of our world that we pay little attention to here an ant drags a seed five times its own size a grasshopper devours a fresh leaf and a bee sips from a drop of dew and down here toxic chemicals and carcinogens are leaching into our environment they come from objects that we look past every day littered cigarette butts every one is a tiny toxic waste site and there are millions of them right where we live work and play Let's stop the toxic litter. Learn more at RethinkButts.org. Brought to you by Legacy and Leave No Trace. Well, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, which is on Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 10 Eastern, and have been unable to enter our mystery bird contest or thought you could, well, here's how to do it. Just go to our website. That's right. It's that one again. We have to mention it. Once again, it's TalkingBirds.com. See how to listen live 
Very easy to do. By the way, if you'd like to listen to any or even all past Talking Birds shows, just open the podcast app that's built into your iPhone or the Google Podcast app on your Android phone and just type Talking Birds into the search bar there. And then, this is a cool thing, we think, you can click subscribe and then you can get alerts about when the next podcast is available. We get that every week. Pretty cool. And it's just a click away. You can also find Talking Birds on various various other podcast providers. If you don't find us on your favorite app, please do let us know. It's our mystery bird contest. And here is our, our mystery bird. We didn't get a chance to give a, a real preview of this. But here's our mystery bird for this morning. Here's the sound of it. Our mystery bird may be the most colorful raptor in the world, and one of the smallest. The male has slate blue wings and a rusty red back and tail. The female has that same rusty red coloration on her back, tail, and wings. Both male and female have mustaches. Our bird can be found year-round in most of the U.S. and well up into Canada in breeding season. Some individuals winter in Mexico and Central America, but many remain in the U.S. year-round. Our mystery bird is often seen hovering above a field, waiting to pounce on unsuspecting prey like voles and mice and insects, although it more commonly hunts from a high perch. Some clues there in the sound of our mystery bird, and now the prizes include the Droll Yankees' bottoms-up finch feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows and starlings, for example, which have difficulty hanging by their feet. But great for other birds you'd like to see at your feet are goldfinches and chickadees and woodpeckers and nuthatches. That's one prize and bonus prizes a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. This is a great app. It makes learning bird sounds a game. So you can have fun and you can sort of pretend you're not learning, but you actually will be while you play the game there on the LarkWire app and a big bag of Birds and Beans bird-friendly shade-grown coffee. It is delicious coffee and it is grown under the natural forest canopy, not in some clear-cut thing the way they do with sun-grown coffee. This is shade-grown coffee, which actually, through its growing methods, provides habitat and shelter and food for birds down there in the tropics as they head down there from here this time of year. So those are the prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest. And here is the all-important phone number, which we urge you to use as quickly as you can if you have a guess or can tell us definitively what that Mystery Bird is. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Remember, if we don't get a correct answer, your nearly correct guess could prove to be the winner because we'll do a drawing from among the calls received. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, do you have birds in your backyard? Have you been trying to take pictures of them? Have the results been, let's say, less than satisfactory? Mike O'Connor has some help for you in that regard. And that's with our Let's Ask Mike live segment in just one minute. Talk 
Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Mary Langdon, and I'm calling from Anchorage, Alaska. We took this cool trip to Unalaska and got to see some exotic birds, and at the end ended up seeing a cuckoo that was identified by experts. And we ended up giving a car to a great birding guide there. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's Get Involved at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. There's the music. Now let's find the man. He's in the backyard, I believe, taking photographs. Mike O'Connor from the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. I'm a little, I'm a little distressed, Ray. I just found out that the Cape's disappearing. Yeah, the sea level rise is uh, kind of getting to it, and you're not far from that. You're in the part of the Cape that's pretty skinny, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I'm talking to you from the second floor today. I'm not taking any chance. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, sea level rise is is, uh, is causing serious problems on beautiful Cape Cod. Let's hope we can uh, find some solutions. Uh, right. To I it. mean, like old guys like us, it's, you know, it's bad, but, you know, we've got to make some plans for people who come after us mm-hmm. like everybody did for us. So that, yeah, we've got to do some changes for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, yeah. while we, we <laughs> I still have a backyard. <laughs> yeah. I like to go out and take pictures of uh, birds in my backyard, and and because everybody has a camera now, which is a really good thing. I love that people have cameras because when they have a mystery bird, they come in, they show me the picture instead of the kind of semi-erratic descriptions. They show me a picture, and it makes it much easier. The downside is well, not a downside, but an interesting part is people want to turn those into money somehow. So they they print calendars or they print cards, and they and they think you should sell these. And that, that's great, but a lot of times, especially in the backyard, people take a picture of what they see, which is on their feeders. And bird feeders, as much as I love to love them, they don't make good topics for pictures. Usually they're a little bit weather-beaten, they've got some bird droppings on them, they're a little bit rusty or chewed by the squirrels, and then you have a cardinal on it. And people like cardinals, but they don't want to beat up picture or beat up feeder in their picture. So what I tell people to do is go back out, go back to your feeder, maybe take your feeder out of from underneath the tree, move it out into the sun so the cardinal looks brighter, mm-hmm. and then um, put it on like a shepherd's hook. And then above on the shepherd's hook, tie like a branch, perhaps a pine branch or maybe just a, a, a stick, something interesting, maybe kind of a maple, uh, I mean a grape leaf vine or something like that and then when the birds land on the feeder while they're waiting their turn they'll be on that branch and then you can photograph that and then you don't get all the hardware in in your photo and since you've moved it into the sun the bird's going to look bright the other thing to can pay attention to is the background i had a hummingbird feeder I, we get all these new hummingbird feeders and i test them out and i want to take some photos of the hummingbird so i can prove the customers some of the stuff that we sell actually works and so some of it, yeah. <laughs> some of it. if i can go about 10 percent, i'm doing yeah, good. good so i took some nice photos and then i you know i got a little lazy and then i looked at the you know then i'm looking at the pictures and there's you know there's a picture of uh 
my car in the background. You know, I see a bumper and a tire, and it's, <laughs> so I have to reline stuff. So pay attention, you know, to the background. Background. Maybe this time of year it would be some fall leaves, some some tree turning. Or in the winter, it's great. Move your feeder to where there's like a pine tree with snow on it, and then the cardinals would just pop like that. Those kinds of suggestions are good, and you can. You know, a lot of times we have backyard people have simple cameras. They don't have these big shot, powerful cameras. Mm-hmm. So you, you can set up a blind. You don't have to go and buy a blind, but sometimes you can use your car as a blind. Maybe jockey your car in a position, and you can sit in your car and keep warm. And when the birds land, you can roll. You know, just push the window down a little bit. Use a bean bag to steady your camera, mm-hmm. and take pictures through there. Taking pictures through the window is not optimum because you get some reflection. But if you're going to do that. At least take a few steps and wash the window first. I've done that. You know, like, oh, look at that. There's an Oriole on my feet. And I snap a picture, and, you know, and it's streaky and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Oh, I'm getting played off. I said one thing about washing windows, and they want to get rid of me. Well, I had a tip regarding the sun. Don't put your picture in the sun after you take the picture. Otherwise, you'll have the one like I have, a beautiful downy woodpecker. But you can't see the bird anymore. But I know it's there. It's all, yeah. yeah. It's there. It's there in your heart, Ray. Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay, see you later, bye. Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod. Uh, Check out the Boston Globe, by the way. Check out our our website. We'll have a a link to that story about uh, sea level rise on the Cape, because that certainly applies to coastal areas everywhere. Back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. The September-October issue of Birdwatching Magazine is now available at Barnes & Noble and other newsstands. It features a story about the uncertain future of the whooping crane, tips for photographing birds that fly fast, and a guide to fall and winter birding festivals. Plus, Ken Kaufman describes how to identify wandering tattler. David Sibley provides a closer look at crows and much more. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird. It's our mystery bird contest ready to get underway here. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird may be the most colorful raptor in the world. And one of the smallest, the male has slate blue wings and a rusty red back and tail. The female has that same rusty red coloration on her back and tail and wings. Both male and female have mustaches. Uh, let's see. We have, and I hope we're uh, getting this right here. Let's see. I think it's Shiva, Jesse tells me, uh, somewhere in Texas. Good morning, Shiva. Good morning in Plano, Texas. Plano, How Texas. Okay, remind us uh, where Plano is. Plano is just uh, northwest. It's just northwest suburb of uh, Dallas. Northern suburb of Dallas. Okay. And yeah. it was... Did we did we come close with that uh, pronunciation of your name? You did pretty good, actually. When I became a talking bird uh, ambassador, you pronounced my last name even better, the long one. So that oh. was like uh, three, four months ago. So Shiva is good. Thank you. Well, thanks for being an ambassador, and uh, I'm going to quit where I'm ahead uh, while I'm ahead about pronouncing your last name, if you don't mind. Uh, it's Gopal Narayanan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Shiva, how about our mystery bird? What do you uh, what do you say it is there? It's uh, an American kestrel. American kestrel. That wasn't a guess. That was just a statement. You are absolutely right. American kestrel is uh, correct. And uh, I think we have a little extra time here. I wonder if you would like to try our um, what do we call it? Sure. Our, our bonus question. Would you like to uh, try that? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. 
Okay, this is a multiple choice, as we usually do. A Twitter poster recently referred to a bird by the nickname American Ninja Warbler. To what bird was the poster referring? Was it A, the black-throated green warbler, B, the hooded warbler, or C, the northern nunchuck? It's one I think of those. It's, the, it's the hooded warbler. The hooded warbler. Let me see if that is correct. I believe it is. Yes. Ah, nice job. You're a double winner this morning. Shiva, thank you so much. And uh, stay on the line and we'll take care of things there. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Thanks Pleasure so much. Pleasure to be here. Okay. Uh, American Kestrel was the uh, uh, mystery bird and uh, the hooded warbler was the ninja warbler. Okay. Well... Next week, we'll welcome International Bird Rescue's J.D. Bergeron, who'll tell us about, among other things, his recent albatross counting experience on Midway Atoll in the northwestern Hawaiian Islands, home of the largest albatross colony in the world, in the place whose residents include Wisdom, the famous female Laysan albatross that ranks as the world's oldest known wild bird. She was first banded on Midway in 1956. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Delighted to sponsor Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds. This October, if you hear ravens in your neighborhood croaking nevermore, it's time to get out of the house. And the best place to go is on one of Ocean State Bird Club's terrific free walks. Find us on Facebook and online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club. Yeah.